You're listening to Ben and Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben and Bikes, where every bike tells a story. One of the tools I can't do without when making episodes for the Ben and Bikes podcast is a great pair of headphones. I use them when interviewing my guests and I use them in the editing process. I need to hear every word. I choose to use a pair of Studio Regents which provide impeccable clarity and well-balanced sound, making show audio and music sound great. I couldn't be happier. The good news for listeners to this podcast is that you can get a pair of these headphones or another style that fits your needs at a 15% discount. You should also know that they ship worldwide at no extra cost. Just go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, make your selection, and when you check out, use discount code Ben and Bikes, all one word. You can also find a link to their website by visiting benandbikes.com. And now to this week's episode. I know a thing or two about enduro racing. My son, sponsored by the Bank of Dad, races in many (laughs) under-21 events across Colorado and New Mexico. And the things I know are thus. One, trees are not your friend. Two, who dares wins. Three, don't discount the uphill grind required to shred the downhill. Four, get a full-face helmet. Five, Knee pads and elbow pads are your friends, but they do stink after a while. Uh, chicks dig scars as much as guys dig scars. Seriously, you should see the ladies shredding enduro races and biting the dirt just as hard as the guys. So when I was connected to today's guest and she told me that she not only races enduro in the Northeast, um, but she's also written a fantastic article for Bicycling Magazine on the subject, I knew she had to be on the Ben and Bikes podcast, and Gloria accepted that invitation. Gloria writes in the article titled, That Time I Went Full Enduro, and you can find a link to that on the benandbikes.com webpage. And she said, it was a fabulous lifestyle. I got over feeling guilty about spending a whole day taking lifts or banging up some steep road to get to the downhills faster. Enduro was mountain biking's five-pound bag of red Swedish fish. There were none of the boring flavors, only the best one. Finally, I could eschew all that character-building stuff and maximize the fun. Gloria Liu, welcome to the Ben and Bikes podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's exciting to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Are you still eating from five-pound bags of Swedish fish? Uh, yeah, I am actually. And, uh, lately though, I've been switching over to Sour Patch Kids. So that's sort of my yeah. mid-ride fuel of choice, but I'll, I'll go back and forth between either. I'm happy with either of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Gloria? Who, who is Gloria Liu? Yeah. So I am a cyclist, obviously. Um, I'm also a writer, obviously, um, and I'm actually also an editor for Bicycling Magazine. Excellent. So um, that's your day job, um, and I think you are a are you a contributing editor or a full-time um, member of the Bicycling uh, Magazine staff? 
Uh, yeah, I'm full time. So I'm actually the features editor at Bicycling. Right. So, um, so yeah, I get to work on what I think is, you know, the most fun type of story that we publish, which are all of our stories about interesting people and the crazy rides they do. And, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I When I first started with the magazine, I was the gear editor, which was also a pretty fun position because I got to spend a lot of time testing bikes and equipment. Uh, so, yeah, it's been I've been there for about three and a half years full time here in eastern Pennsylvania. And it's it's been a ton of fun. Good stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite interviews that, that you have done as the features editor? Yeah, so um, I think that one of my favorite interviews that I've done was with uh, Reggie Miller. He is a former NBA Hall of Famer, uh, for those who may not have followed basketball, but he played for the Indiana Pacers for 18 years when um, I was growing up as a teenager, and my family and I used to watch watch basketball together all the time. And um, about a year ago, I found out that Reggie Miller is really, really into mountain biking. So uh, I asked him to go for a ride, and I had uh, three hours to ride with him, do the interview, uh, do a photo shoot. So um, we did what we were joking might have been, you know, the first at least on trail recorded interview for bicycling in the last several years. And, um, yeah, I got to talk to him about just starting over as a beginner again, which I thought was really interesting because Reggie is obviously as a pro athlete has achieved basically the highest level that you could achieve as in athletics. And he didn't start mountain biking very seriously um, until about maybe three or four years ago. He, he'd started, he went for his first ride like 10 years ago, but never really took it seriously until a few years ago. And now he's racing and he has a coach. And I just thought that was really interesting that he was so ready to start over again, you know, at the age of 52. Sure. And, um, and he had just some really wonderful thoughts to share about, about progression and getting better at things and, uh, hard work and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool interview because we talked a lot about, we were even able to talk a lot about his uh, career as a basketball player. And um, I remember talking to him about a, a playoff series he played. So one thing about Reggie was he, he played basketball for, you know, 18 years for the Pacers, but he actually never won a championship. And we talked about um, a game in the NBA finals that he had, uh, they had lost in overtime. And, um, you know, he admitted, he's like, yeah, I think about that game all the time, but you know, you got to just keep moving forward in life. And, and mountain biking was sort of one way that he was just like moving forward in life and not looking back. And I thought that was just a really cool lesson that we could all sort of take from, from that. How, uh, how tall is Reggie? <laughs> he's six, seven. So <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's, yeah, he's very tall. When you meet him in person, it's like, whoa. <laughs> I'm assuming he has some sort of custom frame uh, going on there. Actually, uh, I, I expected that, but he actually rides um, a size XL huh. Santa Cruz Tallboy, which is stock. Huh. Um, he does have a longer stem on it than I think is stock, but uh, beyond that, really not a lot of adjustments, which is which is pretty cool that he can do that because because it'd be tough to find a custom full suspension frame. Yeah, it would. Well, that yeah. or, that or expensive uh, to to have one made, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. So he was he was very fun to ride with. 
Um, so uh, a small plug here from from my perspective is that I would love to talk to Reggie. I've reached out to your agent, Reggie. Once you're done with the uh, NBA finals, uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Uh, so we'll see we'll see where that one goes. Yes, he'll he would be. He's a great interview and very fun to talk to. Very animated. <laughs> Good. I look forward to that. If if we can if we can make it happen, that that would be great. So, um, where, what were your earliest memories of riding a bike? How did you first get into this this crazy world of bicycling? Oh, so, you know, like a kid or like everyone as a kid, I had a bike um, and I it was I remember it was like this blue steel frame cruiser with like one of those long banana seats on it. And yep. it had that bar on the back. Yes. And I was like, this is when I was like six or seven. And I remember in the summers, like we, we my parents lived on top of this like hill. And we had this long driveway that was pretty steep. And um, I used to just ride up and down the driveway and my sister, my little sister would like be on the back of the bike holding on to that little bar on her rollerblades. And we would like just tear up and down the driveway <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. Like I just like ride up to the top and then just like, you know, bang it down and then just do that like all morning. Um, which, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, like, OK, clearly I, you know, always loved the downhills and have always been a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Right. Um but it's funny because, you know, then as I got older, I sort of like didn't ride bikes for a long time hmm. and I didn't start cycling as an adult until pretty late, relatively late in life compared to a lot of people. Like I, I started riding road bikes when I was 26, um, which was, I guess, about nine years ago now. And um, I discovered mountain bikes about seven years ago. And yeah, like, you know, I thought road biking was pretty fun, but I remember the first time I got on a mountain bike, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm in trouble. This is going to be a total obsession. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was just riding up this like dirt road and I hadn't even gone downhill yet. And I was like, this is so fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm, like, what? You can just be out in nature and like be in the forest and you can be on a bike. And like, this is awesome. And I was like, and I'm climbing right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and you don't have to wear spandex or lycra or anything like that too which is no. which is always nice yeah. i've got this image in my mind of you and your sister uh when you're growing up as as a uh, an episode of stranger things going on in my mind right now um <laughs> i don't know if it was like that or not but no <laughs> i did see it I, I don't yeah i don't I actually haven't watched that show, but um, I think it's scary, right? <laughs> uh, in a very, very Disney kind of way. They've done a, they've done a, actually, it's a, they've done a remarkable job with it. It's one of our favorite things to watch as a family. And I think I saw that Schwinn have just come out with the Stranger Things bike that you can now buy, which has that banana seat and the back to it. So oh, cool. if you wanted to relive your youth, I think you can now do that if you don't still have the bike, that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got I've got more fun bikes to ride now. So there you go. There is <laughs> that bike probably doesn't have like squishy parts and a dropper post, and <laughs> <laughs> it probably doesn't go as fast on the trail. And so. it's probably infinitely <laughs> cheaper than that your endurance. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so so uh, you you get into mountain biking, uh, and then you find your way into uh, into racing in enduro races. How did that happen? Um, so I first started racing cross country, actually, which was pretty fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then, um, 
about two years ago, some friends of mine were going to an enduro and they were like, Hey, you should come, you know, it's a few hours away. And I was kind of like, I don't know, you know, I've never raced it before. And they were like, well, we're going to camp and, um, we're going to, you know, drink beer and there's going to be a fire. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. I like road trips and camping. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, and then I ended up going and, and I just fell in love with it. Like it wasn't a big race. There was, you know, 75 people. It was a two day enduro, um, in state college, Pennsylvania, where the Transylvania Epic stage race used to be held, um, RIP. It's, mm-hmm. it just got, uh, canceled for this year. So, um, the trails out there are just like really, really rowdy. They're just, some of them are just like fall line trails and, mm-hmm. and you're just sort of hanging on for dear life. And of course I loved that. Um, and, and I just met so many people, you know, because the, the format of Enduro is, you know, you're only racing on the descents. So all the pedaling in between, which we, you know, we call transfers is very social. And, um, I just remember I made like a ton of friends that weekend and, and of course we camped and hung out. And, um, on the second day, I actually did pretty well. I actually won that day, uh, racing and I was just totally hooked. I was like, there is just no better way that you can spend a weekend, you know? Yep. Um And, a little edge. So you and I are both very uh, educated about what enduro is, but explain to someone who's never raced enduro before what it is. Yeah, so it's a style of mountain bike racing that actually um, originated in Europe and then came over to the states. I think in like 2012 or 2013. Um, but basically, it's timed primarily downhill segments. Um, so you're racing for the fastest time on those, but, uh, everything in between, which is called transfers, um, is untimed. So, you know, it's great because you can pedal to the beginning of the stages. These are, those are the time descents, um, with your friends. And then, you know, everybody races down the stages as fast as they can. And then you regroup at the bottom and you pedal together to the next stage. Um, so it's, it really is like a very inherently fun and social style of racing, And it's funny because like a lot of people who don't know a lot about enduro kind of think of, Oh, it's like downhill racing, but there's actually a fair amount of uh, endurance and fitness required because, um, the stages are primarily descending, but there's, you know, like, you know, mountain bike trails, they're never all downhill. So you're like, there's little parts where you have to sprint on flats or up little hills to go to the next little descent, or you're sprinting out of corners the whole time. So it actually is a pretty physically demanding style of racing. And that's something that I hear a lot of people say after they do their first one is they're like, holy cow, like that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, you're just like anaerobic. And I'm like, yeah, man, like yeah. <laughs> when I'm racing an enduro stage, like I will like peak out at my heart rate. Like I've, I've hit max heart rates in my enduro stages that I like, you know, have never hit an XC racing because it's just like five minutes, like all out. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Maybe explain the differences between um, an enduro bike and a, and a downhill bike. Cause I think a lot of people do make that uh, confusion between the two disciplines. So what, how does an enduro bike dis- differ from a, from a downhill? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So downhill bikes, you know, are, are really not meant to, to, ride anywhere besides lift access or pedal or sorry, shuttle access stuff. Like they're heavy. Um, they're very, very slack, you know, they have very relaxed angles. They're very long. So they're very stable at speed. Um, and they're just really not meant to be 
pedaled very far. Uh, enduro bikes are like almost, they're like a hybrid between a regular trail bike and a downhill bike. So um, they have, you know, burlier parts than a normal trail bike. Um, they have, you know, more relaxed angles than a normal trail bike. So they're more stable at speed. Um, but, you know, they've got just a single crown fork, uh, which is a little lighter than the parts on the fork on downhill bike. Um, and they're definitely meant to be, you know, pedaled all day because a lot of these enduro races, as you probably know, especially out West and in Europe, um, they're huge days. Like you can be out there for like six hours and sometimes there's lift access, but a lot of times it's just, you know, you're pedaling yourself on your own power from stage to stage. And, um, so you definitely, they're bikes that are meant to, to, not you know make life miserable if you're if you're out there for hours yeah absolutely um so uh do you want to plug the uh the bike that you that you ride sure yeah um so this season i actually just bought a new bike Woohoo! <laughs> uh it's a <laughs> it's a pivot switchblade so go. it's yeah. a 29er um i am all about 29ers now which uh, have bigger so for people who aren't you know mountain bike versed they have the biggest size wheel that you can basically have on a mountain bike, uh, which enables them to roll faster on downhills, enables them to roll. They're easier to roll over obstacles, um, and they're just a lot of fun. Yep. They just make life easier. <laughs> Why not, right? Uh, uh, what What did you replace uh, with your with the pivot? Uh, I actually I had a specialized enduro yep. before that, which is also a twenty nine er. Yep. And um, the pivot is just a little bit, just slightly more skews more towards the trail side of things and the enduro side of things um because a lot of the races that we have out here on the northeast uh they actually have a fair amount of pedaling and it's it's good to have a bike that is like really agile that you can snap out of corners quickly and um and i just also really enjoy a lighter you know more playful bike so i actually had the privilege of uh touring the pivot factory uh, at their headquarters in arizona a couple of years ago um, and it was uh, uh, um, an amazing experience. They have the ability to uh, 3D print an entire bicycle. Uh, it's not one that you can ride, but you can, they can obviously try out all the parts and see how everything fits together. Uh, I've never seen anything so crazy in my life. Uh, oh, yeah. You can literally just go from a PC, uh, design uh, your CAD image, and hit print, and hey presto, out comes a bicycle. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty, pretty mind blowing. <laughs> it is. It's it's amazing the amount of um, engineering that goes into bikes, and it's also then you know amazing how much they can withstand too. I mean, yeah, we definitely have definitely been on some trails that are just like boulder fields basically, and you're just you know raging a bike over that. And you're like, how is this thing not falling apart right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, and it's not like they don't. <laughs> fall apart sometime <laughs> right that that is the thing about mountain biking and enduro <laughs> racing too is that you kind of get used to constantly having to fix some part or another <laughs> right so speaking of the perils of enduro uh of which there are m- more than a few and i don't want to scare anyone away from this sport it is an amazing experience um but you know mountain biking just like many other sports uh, you know there are some some risk to it. So uh, how do you how do you deal? Do you enjoy being in that sort of environment where these sort of the perils of enduro? Um, that's yeah, it's an interesting question whether I enjoy it. I, I mean, I think that enduro definitely appeals to people who love to descend, and I think that 
descending, if you love that feeling, it, I think it means that you sort of naturally have a higher tolerance for risk than maybe the average person. Yeah. Um, and you sort of thrive a little bit. It, it takes a little bit more to get your heart rate up, right? Um, but I think I, I don't. I don't love the feeling of feeling in danger. Um, and I think that's sort of all about riding within your capability, right? Like, I guess sort of to answer the original question, I think enduro is definitely a riskier discipline of mountain biking than other race disciplines. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a more risky discipline of cycling than most cycling disciplines. Um, and I've definitely seen you know, a lot of friends get hurt and, you know, it seems like it's people cycle through times when they're healthy and times when they're injured. And that's very common right. in enduro. Right. Um, and I actually recently have had my own incident. I, I actually got a concussion a couple of months ago. Um, my first like diagnosed concussion and, and it was pretty scary. Like, you know, I was out of work for a week and, I went to physical therapy and occupational therapy for a few weeks after that. And I still have some lingering cognitive issues, you know? Um, but it, it's funny cause I, I've thought a lot about this because I've thought a lot about like, Hey, like would I take back that day that I went on that ride where, th where this crash happened? Mm -hmm. I hit my head and, um, and I honestly, like, I, I wouldn't, like, I, I would don't regret heading out that day because I feel like, I feel like if I had, if I took that day back, I would have to take back all the other days. Do you know what I mean? Like, I totally it's like well, it's like every time we head out, there's some risk, right? Like if you're riding your bike and you're pushing the pace, like you're taking, you're going to at some point take some risks. Um, and that sort of just seems to come with the territory. So, and if you, sorry, no, I was going to say Gloria, but. But then, you know, so you end up being this person who sits on a couch all afternoon and all weekend, right? Right. You, you've got to do something in life that gets the adrenaline flowing. It's a, it's a natural desire for a human, being, human being's brain to be fed with adrenaline every now and then from when we were chasing, you know, lions across the plains. Uh, it's an absolutely human necessity. Uh, and uh, I just don't believe that your uh, life would be uh, would be any better if you didn't do that. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. And, and like, I especially feel that way because I'm not, as much as I am a person who enjoys the adrenaline rush, and I like to go fast and I enjoy downhill sports like mountain biking and skiing. Um, I, I actually am relatively, cons I still think I'm pretty conservative. Like I, I don't, I try not to ride over my ability too much. Yes, right. Um, and I've gotten better and better at that. So right. I, I especially think that it was sort of just like something that was going to happen at some point. Like yep. I was going to go down and I had the bad luck of going down, you know, on my head. But um, but yes, I, I sort of accept that that comes with this style of riding and it brings me a lot of joy. So yeah. uh, for now, I'm going to continue to do it. I'm interrupting this week's episode to tell you about studio headphones. If you were listening at the beginning of this week's episode, you will have heard me talking about the Studio Regent headphones I use. You'll have to believe me when I say that they are some of the best headphones I have ever used and I really couldn't do without them. Studio are a Swedish company who have bridged the gap between style and technology, providing a product that matches the quality of the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. 
The good news for listeners to this podcast is that you can get a pair of these headphones at a 15% discount. Just go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, make your selection, and when you check out, use discount code Ben and Bikes, all one word. You can also find a link to their website by visiting benandbikes.com. And now, back to the podcast. One, one, uh, one thing that intrigued me about your, your article um, was the statement that you made about once you tried too hard to be good at enduro, <laughs> um, things went downhill from there. And the lady who was beating you consistently was someone who was, seemed to be taking a chill pill most of the time and just relaxing <laughs> and just enjoying the sport. Uh, right. can, you, can you talk us through your thought process on that? Yeah, um... Absolutely. I, it, it's really funny. And I think maybe a lot of, there may be some people out there who might be able to relate with this. Like, I think, um, I, when I found Enduro, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I finally found that thing that I'm like really good at, you know, right. <laughs> like I, you know, I'm not a particularly like aerobically amazing athlete. Like I, you know, when I raced XC is like no, nothing special there. And, yeah. um, when I found Enduro, I was like, oh my gosh, there's finally a race format that rewards my descending capability and my like appetite for descending, you know, like, and I just, and I had, you know, good luck early on my, at one of my first races and, and won the day. And it was a very small field of women as, as a lot of these races are. And like, I just sort of mistakenly assumed that that meant that I was this Enduro prodigy who <laughs> was just going to be like, you know, taking the northeast enduro scene by storm oh absolutely it's a, it's a given that that was going to be the case right right and but i think a lot of people can fall into that trap like especially you know it's like you're out there with your friends and you're like you know keeping up with fast people and you're getting like qoms or koms on strava and you're just like yeah man like i'm super fast but the thing about enduro racing is it's like that makes it very unique is that you don't know what your result is until the end right so I like have no idea. Like until you turn your chip in, it's like you could be leading or you could be dead last and you have no clue. Right. And um, so it's very mental. And so I just like the first season that I was racing was just always like, I was just a total like head case. And I was just always trying to go as fast and as hard as I could. And, you know, just like sprinting into rock gardens and like sliding all over the place and flatting, you know, cause I didn't have any of my equipment dialed and, um, getting lost on course, you know, and then just, I placed so much expectation in a result, um, that I just put all this pressure on myself and like, of course it didn't go well and I'd be really unhappy about it. And like pretty soon, you know, I suddenly wasn't having fun racing enduro anymore. <laughs> it sounds so silly because it's like, you know, I'm just this amateur athlete. Like I'm not like this pro racer. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, like, I think, you know, a lot of us do this to ourselves and it's, it's hard to admit, but, you know, I just took it like way too seriously and, uh, it's, you know, stopped being fun, which, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Once you get to the point where it stops being fun, it, it, you should stop doing it, period. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, which I, which I, you know, sort of did for a couple of months and took a, took a little break from some races and. Um, but there is a happy ending to that story. <laughs> oh, let's, let's hear it. So, so I wrote this whole, so I wrote the story that you read in bicycling, which sort of ends on 
the end of that season and and like I sort of started to come around where like I was like okay you know what I really love about enduro is is the community right like I love coming to these races and there's there's all these people there that I just feel like are like my people we yeah. like the same things about riding and um you know it's very laid back and 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 so that's how I kind of ended the season I was like I got to just stop caring about my results you know and and at the beginning of this this past season, um, I was sort of I started the last mountain bike season kind of like I don't really know what I'm gonna do this season. I I like having goals, so I signed up for the Transylvania Epic Stage Race. Um, and the cool thing about that stage race is that they do their normal you know GC classifications, but they also do an enduro classification. So every day there are enduro stages, and you can actually race for uh, enduro points and an enduro. Um, placing too and right. and uh and it was kind of cool because i sort of went into the first day like kind of like i don't know if i'm going to race this as a stage race like an xc stage race or if i'm going to try for the enduro segments but i remember i got to the first segment and i was just looking at the start thing and i was like you know what screw it i was like i'm going to do the thing that i think is most i'm going to get through the next five days in the most fun way possible which is i'm just going to race this whole thing like an enduro and and I did, and I actually ended up, you know, winning the enduro classification for the whole stage race, hey, which was pretty neat. That's great. Yeah. So um, was so that was last year's season for me. Like, sorry. So that was last year's season. Yeah, that was 2017. Okay, so I was looking at the date on this article, and you wrote that almost a year ago now, actually. Oh, and by the way, um, there is a link on on, on the benandbikes.com website. Um, and if you go there, and I'm talking to the listeners at this point, there is an incredible uh, manga drawing uh, as the headline image uh, for Gloria's article. It's well worth checking out. Um, <laughs> Gloria's going to try and get hold of the artist, I think, uh, and see if she can get that printed. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, you wrote it almost a year ago. Uh, what has happened uh, to you since then with regards to Enduro? Yeah, so so I had that great um, result at Transylvania, yep. and that was honestly that was huge for me. Like I, I think the biggest thing was, you know, I had to I had to race for five days and, you know, try not to screw anything up too bad um, and stay in the lead, and I did. And my biggest takeaway from that was like, whoa, like you know, I can trust myself as an athlete and as a rider and good things can happen. And, um, and it was really cool. It kicked off a really great season of racing. I ended up going to nationals, uh, and I was second in my age group there. And, um, and I won, you know, some local races, which was really cool. Just, yeah. And it was just, it was just a really great season. Like I, it was very motivating to start off with that. And, and like, I learned a lot, like I learned a lot about enduro losing. And then I learned a lot winning too. Like I learned like how to like make a race plan, you know, and, um, how to stay calm when I made mistakes mm. and like how to just go into a day, like thinking like, Hey, you know, like I could win. I think I could win today. Um, and I, and I think that really made a big difference. And, and I learned so much about myself last season. It was, it was really great. Those all sound like good life lessons, let alone enduro lessons. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, I really think a lot of the lessons I learned from last year um, translated a lot into life. Like, 
you know, like a little bit of success breeds a lot of motivation. And and I started putting a lot of work into it and actually, you know, trying to train and work on technique. And, um, and I actually remember after I came back from nationals, I had a very clear idea of exactly why I didn't win. Um, it had painted a clear picture of what my weaknesses were. And I worked very hard on those weaknesses for the next couple of months. And, and it paid off because, you know, the rest of the season was great. And I won, I think I won three more races after that. Nice. Um, something you were saying in a, in a previous uh, segment of the interview uh, uh, got me agreeing and nodding on this end, which is where you mentioned, uh, you know, one of the reasons why you like enduro uh, is just hanging out with your people. Um, and uh, I was actually having this conversation at an event that I was in on Saturday uh, with someone, and uh, we were all agreed that there are assholes who ride mountain bikes, mm-hmm. but the percentage of people who ride mountain bikes who are assholes uh, is way lower than the people we meet in regular life. So <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for that. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> mountain bikers are good people. <laughs> but gen- generally speaking, they are. Uh, yeah. Very down-to-earth, normal people. Yeah, there's there's something about like the personality type I think it takes to to just learn mountain biking and stick to it, especially if like you live somewhere where mountain biking is challenging. Right. I mean, look, mountain, I think mountain biking is kind of always challenging because you're dealing with natural terrain and, um, you know, there's always some level of skill required. And so I think like the kind of person, something about the kind of personality who's able to like push past that and push past the crashes and and stick stick with it is. Yes. It makes for a good human being. <laughs> I, think, I think that's true. And the ability to drink craft beer as well is very important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, very much uh, the case. So um, we are probably where you are well into the riding season. Do you ha- what, are, what are you planning? What are you planning for this year? Um, so, I, so it's actually funny that you asked that. I, I actually don't have – I had some big ambitions for the season, Um the concussion has sort of put some of those things on the back shelf right now. Right. So, um, honestly, I'm, I'm sort of just taking it as it goes. I'm going to race a local race next week and see how that goes. Um, and probably won't be going back to nationals, but, um, we have a, a pretty competitive series around here called the Eastern States cup. Mm-hmm. So I will do some of those, um, and I'll do some local races and, uh, honestly, probably just, you know, try to aim for a fun season and see what happens. Like I, I really wanted to do a lot of the Eastern States Cup series this year. Um, but yeah, like, you know, last year, one thing I kept thinking when things were going so well was I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm healthy. You know, I was, I never stopped being grateful that my body was in one piece and <laughs> everything was going well. Cause I think that's something like it's really easy to take for granted when you're healthy. Right. Um, and now, right now, it's sort of, you know, a little touch and go with the head. So, yeah, um, but we'll see. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right to take it easy on that front. Um, that's for yeah. sure. Don't don't mess with that. So um, it, other than enduro, what other uh, types of bike riding do you take part in? So I, I honestly love all kinds of riding. And um, I've raced cyclocross, obviously XC mountain biking, um, um, I've even done one track race. That was probably the, the one I liked the least. <laughs> um, and, uh, I actually last season just started doing some of our local weekly criteriums. 
uh, they have a training series uh, about 20 minutes from home. So I started doing that. And um, that was actually a lot of fun. I, I never thought that I would enjoy road racing, but um, it started all, it started as this like project because road racing and riding in very fast packs on the road kind of scared me. Like I would do it, but I'd always just be on edge. And um, I tried this like weekly training crit and I was so terrified the first time I did it. Like I, I was too scared to even pull out because I just couldn't, like, I was like, I can't even fathom right now moving to the other side of the road. Like I'm, just, yeah. I'm in this pack and I'm going wherever it goes. Um, and I, I remember like came back from that and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm tired of like carrying this fear around. Like I'm, I'm going to conquer it. So I decided to keep doing the crit until I wasn't scared of it anymore. Um, so I ended up spending the rest of the summer on Thursdays racing those crits. And it, it was actually great training for enduro because, you know, we had to sprint quite a bit on these crits and, and I actually ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Like it's, it's different from enduro because like, you know, in a crit, you, like, you can really see where you are, right. It's like very intensely competitive, um and yeah you can see if you're like off the front or off the back and um sprinting for points is really fun so and i and i did get over my fear of of pack riding so that was also a huge confidence booster (laughs) (laughs) it is scary it really is you are so close to the people in front it's ridiculous yeah yeah i actually um my fourth race there was a crash in front of me and i actually got crashed out of that race so Um, so that was pretty scary, but, but, uh, I, it was, it was a cool exploration in, in conquering fear in a different way. (laughs) How many bicycles do you own? Um, let's see, road, one road bike, one cross bike, a gravel bike, um, one mountain bike, uh, a town bike. I guess there's, I guess there's five and there's one in each category. I'm looking to maybe adopt a second mountain bike, something, <laughs> something yes. a little bit more XC and lighter. So the, the idea of N plus one is alive and well, as far as you're concerned. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I love all kinds of riding, so I guess I, I do have a bike for each, each style. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's many of us who, who follow that strategy as well. Yeah. Um, and then when you have a kid, a kid and a wife who like to ride bikes, uh, it, it, it the 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 mules in the barn uh, stack up pretty quickly. Yeah, storage is an imperative for a cyclist. Home. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, fantastic. Um, a couple of quick fire questions for you. One of which you have already answered, I think. Uh, so, uh, who taught you to ride a bike? Oh. You know, that's so funny. I I think it must have been my parents. Um, I haven't thought about it in so long. It must have been my parents, but I do remember it was a, a bike with training wheels, and they did the thing where they, like, lifted up the training wheels bit by bit. Yeah. You know, until I was riding without them. Um, but I honestly, like, I think – I don't remember it being difficult. Like, I think I picked it up pretty quickly, and I was, like, probably four or five or something. <laughs> Um, then, uh, so do you remember what your first bike was? Um, I don't remember that bike. The first bike I remember is that blue yeah. banana seat bike, but right. the first mountain bike, uh, I owned as an adult was this 2002 Kona bear. Oh, yeah. um, it was like a full suspension bike and it was so heavy. It was probably seriously like 
35 or 40 pounds. <laughs> and I bought it for $400 from the secondhand store <laughs> in, in Aspen, Colorado. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like I had no idea that that was, you know, a bike that I couldn't do anything on. I remember my second ride ever, we went to the downhill park at Snowmass <laughs> bike park and, <laughs> and I just I rode that thing like all over that bike park. Yeah, I bet. I've been to that park. It's a good park. Um yeah. best ride ever. Ooh, best ride ever. That's a great question. One of the ones that stands out to me is actually a road ride that I did in Italy mm. uh in the Dolomites mm. uh, just last summer and I actually wrote a story about that too. Ah. And it was, quote-unquote, only 85 miles, but it was, like, 13,800 feet of climbing. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just going into it so unsure because I really hadn't done a lot of road riding in the weeks preceding it. Like, I actually, like, didn't really prepare for it. And the whole day I just kept thinking, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I think I might just have to do the cutoff. Um, But I just sort of kept, like, going, and I just sort of – never quit you know like every time i could bail every time i reached a bailout point i would just be like well maybe i'll just go to the next bailout point you know <laughs> um and just sort of in that way finished it and that feeling of like satisfaction when you're like on the last descent going back into town and you're just like holy cow i can't believe i did that um that's that's pretty special um another ride actually you know what no this has got to be my favorite ride i, I take it back All it's right. When I spent a summer in the Alps a couple of years ago, and um, I attempted to ride my mountain bike around uh, Mont Blanc, which is the highest peak in Europe. So there's there's this hike that people do, this trek that takes them like seven days, and there's actually a bike route that you can take that goes on a lot of the same trails. Um, and you go through Italy, Switzerland, and France. And it was like my first time I ever did like any kind of bike touring. And I just like put all my stuff in my backpack, took this this eight hundred dollars specialized rock hopper hardtail, and just attempted to do this. And um, on my third day, it, there was a snowstorm, and I had to like come like you know eventually had to come down because the route got snowed in. But like it was just this amazing adventure. Like I, <laughs> there were times when I was like getting like rained on, and like like times I was on the side of the road like crying. <laughs> Uh, but it was seriously the most beautiful scenery I've ever ridden through. And, and just the feeling like, even though like I failed in my mission, like when I came down, I was like, holy cow, like, you know, I attempted that. Like it's now I look back on it. I'm like, I can't believe that I had the gall to even attempt that. It's, it's cool that I did, you know? Yeah, no doubt. That sounds like a fantastic ride. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Gloria, thank you for sharing your stories, plural, with us. Um, that was uh, was very kind, very insightful. And um, I think for anyone that is considering uh, going down the enduro path, uh, you've given them some great pointers. Um, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much, Ben. That was really fun. All right. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. 
We appreciate your support, and thanks for helping us connect with other bike enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben at benandbikes.com.